Uh, but I want to turn your attention to the book of Habakkuk today. The book of Habakkuk, and we're going to read together from chapter 3 and the verse number 2. The first verse, just for some context, it says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigenoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Let's just seek the Lord briefly in a word of prayer. Father, Lord, as we come to meditate on thy word today, open up the scriptures to us. Encourage us, O Lord, as we read of what you've done in generations past. Lord, work in our hearts and stir us to pray. Amen. I want us to consider today the prayer that Habakkuk offered when he prayed, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Now, for us to understand why Habakkuk would offer such a prayer, we need to understand something of the history that had just taken place in the land of Judah that Habakkuk had witnessed. In 2 Kings chapter 22, a godly king by the name of King Josiah, at only eight years of age, ascended to the throne. And even from that very early age, although he was an infant in years, but also an infant spiritually as well, he did love the Lord. It was during his reign as king that the book of the law was rediscovered whenever they were cleaning out the temple. And they rediscovered the book of the law. They read the book of the law. And that brought repentance upon the people who heard God's word being read. Under Josiah, national reform begins. It really is a top-down reformation, not a bottom-up reformation. But nonetheless, as the civil magistrate is responsible to do, he begins to reform the nation. Now, the Lord, even though he's been merciful through Josiah's reformation, Yet God still comes to judge the nation, although he spares Josiah in some part. And once Josiah dies, Judah returns again to its idolatry, and he it turns again from God. And it is into this background that Habakkuk offers his prayer. He had seen the reformation of the nation, but now he was witnessing the spiritual and the moral declension of that very same people. He then prays for revival. For a return of God's people, even though judgment was still going to come through Nebuchadnezzar, yet he still longs that God would have mercy in these years upon the people and that he would revive them. Now, I don't believe that anybody would contest the statement that we are all witnessing decline. We are witnessing decline in the Western world uh, more specifically, but we're witnessing right across the, the world a, a moral and spiritual decline in many nations that once were uh, gospel beacons of truth and of righteousness. And we can often become discouraged in that regard. We think this decline will just keep going and going and going. But although we may be exceptional in terms of some of the sins that we are committing today, yet we are not exceptional in terms of our weakness. Nations such as ours have been weak in times past, and God has intervened and revive them. And what I want to do in an extended introduction today is to recall for you something of our Christian history, something of a Christian background that this nation or one of these nations had. And it's actually the island nation of Hawaii. Now, we've 
heard a lot about some of the islands there in the island state of Hawaii, particularly Maui and the fires that happened. But Hawaii was once called a Christian nation. It once owned itself and made the Christian religion, the national religion of that land. And I want to give something of the background to that, the impact that that had upon that region and the influence that prayer played upon that nation. And then we'll come to consider just a few closing points from verse number two. But let me read to you the account of the Hawaiian revival. The writers who recorded what happened during the awakening were struck by the tremendous emphasis of the people on prayer. The missionaries in their annual meeting of 1836 had prayed and had sent requests to the United States for prayer on behalf of the Sandwich Islands, now known as Hawaii. The Hawaiian people themselves, it was noted, had a unique ability to give themselves wholeheartedly to prayer. Missionaries on each island reported a tremendous interest in prayer. On Molokai, Mr. Hitchcock noted, quote, that a number were in the habit of rising an hour before light and resorting to the schoolhouse to pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit. This was before an awakening took place on Molokai. Rufus Anderson, in his book, History of the Sandwich Island Mission, states, quote, missionaries declare that they had never witnessed more earnest, humble, persevering wrestling in prayer than was exhibited by some of the native Christians at this time, and that they had reason to bless God for being so greatly edified, comforted, and assisted by their earnest supplications, end quote. This was not only true for the adults, but the children as well. Mr. Baldwin reported how that in Lahaina, for a lengthy period of time that, quote, one could scarcely go in any direction in the sugarcane or banana groves without finding these little ones praying and weeping before God, end quote. An interesting preface to the revival was what took place on board a ship that was loaded with reinforcements from Boston for the Sandwich Island Mission. The missionary team prayed both morning and evening and preached on Sunday with a revival taking place on board the ship. The captain, one of his officers, and several on board the ship made an open commitment to Christ and were taken in as church members, along with the Hawaiian people on their arrival in the Sandwich Islands. A unique aspect of the Holy Spirit's work in causing the people to pray was the kind of praying the people participated in. The prayer was united and verbal, each one expressing himself individually, but all out loud together. Each one would intercede over what the Holy Spirit had impressed in their hearts to pray. They would pray earnestly, with much emotion, oblivious to the fact they had joined a whole chorus of people praying out loud together. This kind of praying was unique in the 1830s, at least among the early New England missionaries who had first come to the islands. Therefore, some of them opposed it. However, for those who had experienced revival fires in New England before joining the missionary team in the islands, it was a mark of God's working. The revival made a major impact on the nation and the Pacific region. As to the nation, Hawaii became known as a Christian nation. In the law code of 1846, the Christian faith was established in this statement, quote, the religion of the Lord Jesus Christ shall continue to be the established national religion 
of the Hawaiian Islands, end quote. After a brief takeover of the British government, the kingdom was restored on July 31st, 1843. Kamalaha III's speech was simple, but reflected the faith of the people. He said, and this is the king speaking, the life of the land is preserved in righteousness, end quote. The revival's effect in the Pacific was seen in that the native church became so strong it sent out its own missionaries. The Hawaiian Society of Foreign Missions was formed in 1850 with a desire to share the gospel with other nations. In 1852, the first Hawaiian missionary set sail for the Caroline Islands with a letter of greeting from King Kamahamaha III to all the chiefs of the islands of the Pacific, urging them to receive the missionaries kindly and encourage them to renounce their idols and worship the true and the living God. What a history, what a revival, and what prayer was offered up upon the nation of Hawaii, a nation like many of the nations around the world, a nation of tribes and pagans. And yet God in his mercy, through the prayers of his people, through the prayers of those converted people in that island, made Hawaii a Christian nation. Habakkuk prays, Lord, revive thy work. And I want you just in closing to see just a few simple things. First of all, notice the direction of his prayer. He prays here, O Lord, O Lord, revive thy work. And there is an acknowledgement here as he is asking for revival, that revival is something supernatural. Revival cannot be manipulated. True revival cannot be organized. True revival cannot be planned. Now, there's things that we can do. We can humble ourselves and seek the Lord. But it is the Lord that brings revival. And it is the Lord that determines the extent of that revival. And so there is an acknowledgement here in Habakkuk, Lord, you will bring this revival. You will open up the floodgates. Lord, you will intervene. And so he directs his prayer to the Lord. We often can talk about revival. We often can read about revival. But oh, how we need to direct our conversation heavenward again. And ask God to pour out his Holy Spirit. But then notice the petition in this revival. He prays. For revival, Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. And obviously, the idea behind that word to revive is to give life again. And Habakkuk had witnessed the decline of a nation. He had seen the great reforms under King Josiah. He had seen a nation turn towards God, at least in many ways, outwardly and nationally, if not inwardly. And he's looking at that and he's seeing the decline now and he's saying, Lord, revive. And it ought to be our prayers we read about the revivals that took place across the Western world and in many other places around the world as well. It ought to be our prayer, Lord, revive us again. We see the decline. We see what we at least once were. Lord, would you not intervene and revive us for thy glory again? And the encouraging thing is that if God has brought life once, that God can bring life twice and if he has brought life twice he can bring life thrice the lord can revive time and time and time again we are not beyond 
the capability of our God to revive us. But thirdly, notice the consideration in his prayer. This was a man who was considerate of the needs of the nation. This was not a prophet that was just kind of just throwing in the towel saying, well, this is kind of just the way it's going to be. Judgment is inevitably coming through King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's just live our best life now. Let's put up our feet and let's hope that the judgment comes after we die. No, he's still praying in the midst of the years before the judgment of God will come with Nebuchadnezzar. Lord, revive your work. Turn again the hearts of your people. And I don't believe he's praying this with some sort of hope that God will avert his judgment. I believe Habakkuk knew judgment is coming irregardless of what happens. And yet he's still praying for God to revive his people and to revive the nation. He was a man alert and aware of the need of God's people to be constantly seeking God and turning to him irregardless of the benefits of it. But then notice, lastly, the declaration that he makes in prayer. He says, O Lord, revive thy work. Thy work. I believe sometimes we forget that this is God's church. That this is God's kingdom. That this is his work. And as sometimes we can become discouraged when we look upon churches dwindling Nations, states, provinces dwindling morally, spiritually, and so on. And we want to do something about it. We want to stop that decline. But we forget within that that this is ultimately the Lord's work. And we must go to him. And we must tell him what is taking place. Even though he knows, we must tell him. And we must remind him. Of his promises. We see the decline. Father I see the decline of your church. I see the church is struggling. But you have promised. You have promised in Matthew 18. I will build my. Or Matthew 16. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We come back to God with his promises. We say Lord this is thy work. This is thy promise. Do as you have said. And so we declare back to God. That this is his work and his his promises that he has made, we remind him that he must do. And so I I trust that this would stir us for prayer today, that this would give us uh, truth and kindle our hearts to pray that the Lord would come again and revive his work in the midst of his years. And that once again, Christian nations and kingdoms would be established right across this world for the glory and the honor of our God. Thank you very much for the opportunity. God bless.